If you're hearing this or seeing it, it means that you're listening to Garage Monologues on the public feed, and thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to hear these when they come out, because this came out, what, like five months ago, then join Patreon at patreon.com slash jswanston. Join my Patreon specifically, please. And if you do that, then you'll be able to get access to every episode as it comes out. Uh, Right now, we're going through the road to citizenship, eating every French cheese with my guests, not everyone with my, but like 12 at a time. It's, it's a lot of cheese and talking about the pros and cons of life abroad, getting citizenship and what that looks like. And then you get some updates as to what's going on with my process, the my citizenship bid and where I'm at in that. So that's Jay Swanson, patreon.com slash Jay Swanson. I'll see you over there and enjoy the show. Go there you go. And in my lap. No, wants to be there. It's in my lap or nothing. Annoying puppy time. <laughs> Make sure this is. So I'm recording this out of order. I don't know if I'm going to release these out of order or not, but I'm recording today's episode before I record with Jess, who should be the next guest. And as far as when I release those, I guess we'll find out. But I wanted to capture how I was feeling and thinking today after my friend, my friends, Jean-Yves and Fred's wedding. Uh, I was just in the south of France for their wedding. You may know them from some of my videos. They run uh, an, a fairly exclusive dining experience in their atelier, uh, basically down in the cave or their wine cellar that they have below their apartment. And they finally got married recently, mostly because, but like for legal reasons and so forth. Um, it's fairly sweet, actually, that in the sense that they've been together for a while now, but Jean-Yves is older than he looks, and he looks really good for his age. And he just wants to make sure that Fred is well taken care of if uh, anything happens, because Fred's more my age, and um, I don't know, I just think that's really nice. But when I was down there, I feel like between Corsica, having a, a 95% vacation in Corsica, and then going to this wedding, which was also fairly vacation-y in that I I flew my drone and I, I, I filmed a little bit, but I didn't really vlog much. I spent a lot of time resting, spent a lot of time playing with Cooper and letting him run around. He's in my lap right now because he's tired and just refuses to, you know, chill out on his own. Uh, he's still a baby in some ways. Um, probably shouldn't be enabling this, but I will get to puppy stuff another time. What I wanted to talk about today more than anything was how I'm really finally starting to come to grips with the fact that I'm okay, <laughs> that that. Many of you, if you've been following me for a long time, and ultimately this podcast is for the people that have been following for a long time and who've been interested in me more than anything. And I want to open up that dialogue in its own ways as well. I feel like there's a lot going on. But you may know that I I entered into vlogging from a survivalist standpoint or mentality. Like I really didn't believe that I was going to make it at various points. That's not entirely true. Like I always believed that I would make it, but that belief kind of solidified into this rock hard nose to the grindstone, just push, 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 push until you die because I didn't know if there was any other way. And about the time, like in 2018, when I transitioned away from needing to work for anybody and just being able to work for myself, largely if not entirely thanks to my patrons, um, I, I never mentally transitioned. So, I mean, I work-wise, I transitioned out of you know, doing teaching English and uh, teaching random courses on like Kickstarter and stuff to startups and like all the stuff that I was doing just to make ends meet, I slowly was able to let go of and stop doing. And 
that was amazing, but I never really fully felt like I was out of the woods. Also, he, he, Cooper did just lie down in my lap, so please forgive whatever sloppy noises he makes as he settles in, and hopefully he doesn't snore too much. There's a number of things I've had to learn over the last few years that have taken a long time. One of them has been that I can thrive and not just survive. I don't have to just pour everything that I have and am back into my work in hopes that I can make it in many ways I already have just because there's a form of stability here. Again, that's brought as much by my patrons as anything more, more by my patrons than anything, which is why I'm, I'm wanting to make sure that I am always giving back to my patrons as much as I can. And the other side has been needing to learn to love myself in a very real sense there's been a lot of work that I've had to do in just coming to actually love and appreciate, have compassion for myself. And that's taken a long time. And I think I'm starting to get there in a number of ways. This morning I was reflecting on how lucky I am to have so many amazing people in my life and increasingly more of those. And those have come from a place of health. It's not that I didn't have amazing people come through my life before, but in not being healthy myself, one of the things that I mean that I've, I've been talking about with my friends a lot lately and that because we're all struggling with it in one way or another, but that I'm finally learning is that the only way that I've been able to carve out space and maintain space for the best people that have come through my life has been by carving out the people that aren't uh, in that category. And there, when you move to a new place, like especially when you move abroad, you kind of gravitate to whoever's available right away. And those are your friends to start. And then over time, you start to realize, oh, maybe these aren't really people that I would be friends with in any other context. Like, we're only friends because we don't have anybody else. And that invites a lot of unhealth in a, in a myriad of ways that you may or may not be aware of. And I was certainly, that was definitely the case for me. And the first year or two was, like, gathering and then realizing. Like, the first year was gathering whatever friends I could. Second year was realizing, like, wow, most of these people don't have my best interests at heart or aren't, you know, just like there was a lot of unfortunate and harsh realizations that happened. And then after that, the third year was kind of starting to cull that. Uh, and then the beautiful part of that was, cause it's a hard process. Like I have a really hard time, but the beautiful part of that was that in removing unhealthy relationships and the healthier that I became, the more great and healthy relationships could actually come into my life and stay. Because one of those, there's multiple things here, but one is that that whole idea of like a dinner party where if you have a dinner party, let's say you have a regular dinner party, like once a month or once a week, you invite your favorite people around. And there's somebody that you continue to invite despite the fact that nobody really likes that person. And they all have valid reasons not to, but you feel bad because you have some connection to them. And so you want them to be there and you want them to be included. The reality is that people are going to stop coming to your dinner party because you won't stop inviting that person who ruins the dinner party. And it's not going to last. In order to cultivate a good and healthy and vibrant dinner party, which sounds kind of a hoity-toity to use a dinner party as an analogy, but you're going to want to make sure that you maintain a balance of interesting people, great people, healthy people, and none of the, no dicks allowed, right? And it's the same thing in life. If you want to have good, healthy, vibrant, and uplifting friendships, it's not to say that you can't be available to people that are less healthy, and it's not to say that you shouldn't be there to help them and to, to be whatever of whatever service you can be to those people. And that's where I really started out on the far end of that side of the spectrum. It's not that you can't be there for them 
It's just that you have to be careful how you let them into your life because they will, in one way or another, take and corrupt and potentially destroy a lot of good things in your life, which sounds pretty dramatic, but is really true. And I've had to, I've really had to come to terms with that in a variety of very painful ways in the last few years that have ultimately led to a really good place. Because when you cut out the people that really tear you down, that bring you down, that make life extra difficult, that don't add anything, that really, really do just kind of suck you dry. When you start removing those people and you start adding people that add to your life, that pour into you, that are there for you, that show up for you, that are consistently just good, decent people, it makes a world, a world of difference. And all of a sudden you have an abundance to share. And for me, that's really important now, especially because I've been in this long process of recovering from a series of burnouts, which is cyclical, is something that I am getting in the way of now. I'm stopping myself from doing that. I'm taking more time to rest. I'm not pushing myself so hard. And what's helping me to do that is back to the original thought, which is I'm going to be okay. I'm trusting, I'm learning to trust that like my patrons are really here for the ride. Um, if you're a patron, you, there's a good chance you've told me that before. Uh, a lot of my patrons have been telling me that for years. A lot of them have been pushing me to take vacation. I wonder sometimes how many of them quit being patrons because I wasn't being good enough to myself. I don't know. But my goal is to be better to myself. And I know that I won't be able to please everyone. I know that not everyone can or should be patrons forever. I know that... Uh, there is still an exchange here and it is still, there's still a business element to this, but I'm also learning to lean into that more. And there's a lot of fear in that for me and I, that I haven't really talked about a lot because I've never really known how to. And I don't know that I still, I don't know that I fully know how to yet either, but there's been a lot of fear in that for me because going back to what I said earlier about availability and allowing people into your life Many of you know, especially if you read my book, Plug, Plug, Sea of the Unknown. If you haven't read it yet, please do. If you have read it, please leave a review for it somewhere. Hopefully a very positive but honest review. Um, I, I'm a pastor's kid. Um, and so part of my recovering people pleaser status comes from growing up a pastor's kid, I'm sure. Although some pastor's kids gave no crap, so it's still very much a personality thing. But the way that I was raised was very much to be available and to listen to whomever needed it at any given time, which I think is noble. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I wasn't taught how to set clear boundaries and how to listen for a time and then move people along or help in the way that I could. And then that was it. Instead, I was kind of raised in this martyrdom mentality of, okay, like let's just give until there's nothing left. And I'm not blaming my parents directly for that. I think it's a cultural thing within the church and within the ways that I think we all talked about and idolized particular like spiritual elements um, or spiritual characteristics. But martyrdom, I do not believe is a healthy mentality ever. I don't think that it's one that you should seek out. I think if you're unfortunate enough to be a martyr, well, hopefully people appreciate your martyrdom, but I don't think it's anything to necessarily idolize or pursue, um, particularly because it's a it's a fairly violent end in one way or another. Whether that's literal martyrdom or like a more metaphorical form, it's not something that comes without its violence. And I don't think that we should be seeking to inflict violence upon ourselves through others or on our own. Um, 
But in that, like I carried that on into college and beyond where I made myself really available to people that I didn't even necessarily like uh, or feel like I was even being helpful to. I just kind of let them use me because I thought that this was the way that it was supposed to be. I thought that I was supposed to lead them or listen to them or be a part of whatever was going on in their lives without any real concern for what I wanted or who I connected with or my relationships. And as a result, I didn't cultivate good, strong relationships with a lot of really cool, interesting, healthy, nice, wonderful people that I came into contact with because they were cool and healthy and they didn't really need me. And I looked at these people who were not healthy and who did have, they, they very clearly needed me. And I felt like it was my duty to give them everything that I could. And that left nothing for those other relationships. And I missed out on a lot of really, really good, good people because of that, because I didn't value myself and I didn't value my time. I didn't value my health. I didn't value, you know, I had no real self-worth, which we can get into some other time, I'm sure. But the result of that was that I ended up just kind of giving until I had nothing left. And that left me un aware, but I was unaware of it, but unwittingly, I suppose is what I was looking for. It left me unwittingly traumatized um, by how I was just kind of all used up. And most of those people never gave me anything back and they went on to do their own thing. And even if they stayed in touch, it was most of the time, it was very often, if not always just to get something from me. And so there's an interesting... There's an interesting parallel with what I've stumbled into as a profession now. Sorry, that was, again, Cooper. I, I, I will never record a podcast with him in my lap again, I don't think, just for this reason. But as adorable as it may be, you can't even see him on the video version. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this, except for him, because he's still a baby and he still needs snuggles. Um, speaking of letting people use you, uh, different, different, totally different, but... I guess what I've realized is that there is this unfair reaction that I've had to my audience to some degree, because in the past when I was involved in like ministry stuff and you had a few hundred people looking at you um, and wanting something from you because I hadn't been trained on how to actually set boundaries and how to do that in a healthy way and to make myself available because I do want to be available and I want to be a positive influence on everyone that I can be, everybody that I come into contact with. But that went from that statement basically to being like, and I will do it at any cost. And I don't believe that is true or health anymore. And so now what I'm trying to recover is, okay, well, how do I support people? How do I listen? How do I give them what I can and let that be enough? And if I can't give them much or if I can't give them anything, that is also enough. And I've had to try and figure that out. I don't, I don't have any answers to it yet, but there's been, there's definitely been like an element of anxiety and fear in that. And a couple of my patrons uh, have seen that in person, I think through um, like when we did meetups or, or whatever else, like I've always been a little bit anxious about it because I can feel those old fears cropping up. And I don't think they're fair because my patrons by and large, uh, especially, but my audience by and large as well. I think mo if you're listening to this, most most of the people I've ever met that um, have appreciated my work have all been wonderful and have all been just the loveliest people. And most of them don't really expect much from me. Obviously, I get a lot of, inf I mean, the reason that I don't, I'm going to try and figure out how to handle like Instagram messages and stuff. The reason I don't look at that anymore is just because I was getting dozens of very nice, but like misplaced 
requests for friendship, basically, people wanting to hang out. And I understand why they would feel that way. Um, the parasocial conundrum is really real and something that I think about and I'm not 100% sure still how to engage with. But it, it, it triggered this whole feeling of being scared that people were wanting to just take and not give. And I know now how much that's not necessarily fair, but I also know that I also do need to find a, a, an appropriate way to give without giving till I die. <laughs> I can't pour myself out till I drop. And the reason that I'm scared as well, and to share this, and I've never talked about it, is because I, you know, I want, especially my patrons, but my audience as a whole, I want you to know how much you mean to me, like the how much of a life-changing experience the last five years have been, how much the work that I've put in has mattered to me, but how much the response has mattered more and how lucky I am that you're here. And the last thing I want to do is rock that boat and somehow push you overboard. But I also know that in the past when I've been scared and just needed to be vulnerable with my audience, it's always um, panned out for the best in the long run. And I feel like I've been kind of, I don't know that I've been hiding this. I think it's very sensible. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised by this. But in the process of learning my learning from my past mistakes and past cycles, it's just time to find the, the appropriate way forward through this. And I'd rather engage with you and include you in this um, than try to do it totally on my own and silently. Because I have been spending a lot of time focused on just a few friends the last year especially, I've been trying to make sure that I'm really available to a few people and not that available to pretty much anyone else. I've been avoiding places that I used to go that um, proved to not be so healthy for me. I've obviously gotten a dog who's required a lot of my time anyways, so it's just been hard to get out a lot for a while, although that's changing. We're able to get out a lot more and a lot more easily, which has been fun. I'm just going through a lot of changes and figuring things out, but the cool thing is that I do feel like it's bringing me to a really good and healthy place where I think I'll be able to turn around and give more because the response can't be, well, I'm scared, so I'm not going to give much. I think the response is really to give as much as I can, but to have a really healthy understanding and definition for how much I can. Where is that boundary? Where is the limit to this? Where do I stop? And where do I do so happily and joyfully and expect that that will be happily and joyfully returned, that the people that I'm engaging with will understand that. And remember that the people that don't, I don't need to have around. Like I don't need people that want to suck me dry, that want to, there's there's not a lot of them. I also have to remember that. There's only been a few really rotten apples and I can't let them spoil the bunch. I just need to chuck them out and not worry about it. Like I can't please everybody. I need to stop trying to do that. I need to stop trying to be perfect. I need to stop trying to be whatever it is that I have been my entire life that's not just me. And if I can just be me and if I can say no a little bit more, then that means that I'll be able to say yes a lot more. And when I say yes, it'll be good, fun, and healthy and not, you know, anxiety-inducing and terrifying. I think that's a good that's a good balance. That's the balance I'm looking for. So I wanted to share that with you this morning because I think I'm excited uh, ultimately because I'm starting to feel a little bit more. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm trying to figure it out. I, I mentioned that I have like a, a coach that's been helping, which is great. Uh, I've been going back to therapy a little bit, which has been helpful. The coaching has been the most helpful thing right now. Um, all of this is just kind of building up some some good health, taking some breaks. 
you know, really just kind of recovering and uh, giving myself space to recognize that I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot. It's been a really long, hard decade. There's been a lot of ups and downs, some really serious challenges in the last couple of years. Obviously, the pandemic's there, burnouts are there, all this other stuff. I just need to give myself some time and some space, and I don't need to be scared that by doing so, things will get worse. Even if things kind of hit a bump because of that, like professionally, ultimately, personally, if I can get my personal health in order, if I can get my personal well-being and everything in order, then the professional stuff will follow, which is the philosophy of my coach, I believe, as well. And so I can, I can definitely get behind that. I really can get behind that. And I'm feeling the effects. And I'm feeling very lucky. And I'll never, the other thing, I wrote this down in my journal this morning. I was, I have a journal that Lindsay gave me for my birthday that has become the get the F out of my own way this year journal. And what I wrote in there today was, it was for one, being grateful for both all of the good friends and then the good mentors that I've stumbled into in the last few years. Grateful that I have space for them and that I'm guarding that space and protecting that space. But that in learning to say no, like I said, I will better be able to say yes. And I think that that is just, it's, oh, the other thing, what I, was, I already said that, but the other thing was that the control, like I've realized that I have this fear of loss of control that I never really recognized that I had before. And a big part of this is like finding good ways to set boundaries, but then recognizing I'll never get it right. It'll always be some give and take. And to be okay with that. I will probably offend somebody along the way. I may have offended somebody unintentionally while recording this very podcast, but it's okay. I'm not perfect. Nobody should expect me to be perfect. Hopefully we can sort things out. I would rather that we were able to sort things out than not. And just let go of that. Like, okay, let's set some good habits, some good boundaries. Recognize that I'm not always going to hit them. I'm not always going to get it right. And that's okay. I can either uh, accept and embrace my misses or I can choose to miss them a little bit myself if I want to. And that is actually kind of one of the underlying themes of all of this, which is I just need to learn to do what I want. I need to start doing what I want uh, when I want and stop worrying so much about what other people think in the first place. Very sleepy puppy in my lap who's just all snuggled up. He's just a bundle of love. I mean, he's been a great lesson in all of this too. And there's some new constraints in my life with this guy, but I'm having to actively reorient my life to me and away from him. He's been the center of my world for a long time. And I'm starting to shift that away, starting to make choices that maybe he won't like so much, but too bad. It's my life. Um, and he gets to be along for the ride. And honestly, for a dog, He's got about, about as good of a life as is possible, um, really, when it comes down. To, I mean, he's a very lucky, very happy dog. Uh, so I don't have to feel bad for putting some new constraints on him and re relieving some of my own. And it's been really, really good for both of us, I think. Like this morning, one of the things I've been working on is like I'll get up a little extra early, just take him out to pee. And instead of feeding him, training him, doing all that stuff, I put him back to bed. I go to the gym, run, and then I come back. And then we get to his stuff because otherwise it's really hard for me to get to the gym during the day. Things like that. You know what? He's just fine. He'll, he adapts. He's great. And then we carry on.
I don't know why I'm so worried. So here's the last thing. And I do know what, why, why I'm so worried about this stuff. Why I'm so worried about even with Cooper, uh, despite the fact that he's just happy to be with me. But I'm so scared to place boundaries, to share this even with you, to tell my friends when they've hurt me or, or just I don't like something. I'm just kind of scared of conflict in that sense. It's not even conflict necessarily. It's just speaking my, my mind and saying where I'm at because I'm worried that that will drive people away. And what I'm learning is it actually builds respect, strengthens relationships, and draws people closer as long as they're actually meant to be around. And the people that get pushed away by healthy boundaries, you can just let drift away. Like, don't don't bring them back. Hard lesson learned, something we can talk about more in the future. But, I mean, that's kind of what I'm dealing with with my mom and she's ultimately the foundational struggle in all of this. And I'm done fighting proxy wars. Like I'm, I'm on to the, let's, let's deal with the real issues at hand and, and hit them head on. And then everything gets better as a result. So there you go. There's a little bit of a garage monologue for you, an extra monologue monologue for you. I'm doing really, really well. I hope you are too. Life's going to have its ups and downs. We're going to hit more of them as we go. But my goal is definitely to focus on the the good uh, that, that I find in everything, to be thankful, grateful every day. Whenever I stop and think about this stuff, to try and be present on and on. We can, I, can just, I can say a bunch of stuff that you probably know and have heard before. But yeah, my priorities, I'll end on this. Kind of what I've, what, the way that I've been thinking about it lately is trying to reprioritize. Where I used to put other people's needs very much first all the time to my detriment, or even not even their needs, maybe just their fickle wants, you know. The priorities now for me, by and large, these are not fixed. Like, I'm, these are flexible. But if I'm not sure in any given moment, the pyramid that I return to now is my first priority is sleep. My second priority is exercise. My third priority are friends. My fourth priority is work. And my fifth priority right now is diet. I should probably move diet up the list, but I really think that sleep and exercise are the most important. Diet obviously matters, but hey, I mean, if I if I if I'm gonna go out with my friends, I'm not gonna worry about drinking some cheap beer or whatever while I'm out and about. So that's kind of how I'm seeing it. And uh, if I can put yeah, sleep, exercise, and relationships in that order, uh, with relationships are always the most important thing for me. But if I'm not sleeping well, I'm not gonna be useful to anybody and if I'm not getting good exercise I'm also just not going to be all that in that good of an attitude in a, that good of a mood so but of course my friends really matter the most and my family and Cooper but I mean Cooper is just I feel like Cooper is just a, an add-on he's just he's always with me for everything except the exercise although in the next month or two hopefully his little joints have developed well enough that he can start running with me so we're going to start running like 510k together I've got to obviously train him up. It's going to take some time, but it's going to be great. I'm, I'm so excited to have my little running buddy. So then he'll get to exercise with me. He'll be able to, he basically will be able to do everything with me except go to the gym and the doctor's office and most supermarkets. Life in France with the dog is pretty, pretty solid. We can talk about that sometime too, if you want. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you as always to my patrons for making this possible, for making everything. I mean, just the companionship as a group. I unfortunately will never be able to know and thank and um, ever meet all of my patrons. 
But if you're a patron of mine or if you've ever been a patron, because there have been a lot of people that have come through the door and moved on to greener pastures along the line, um, you've had a massive impact on my life and I'm so grateful for it. And um, I can't offer you friendship in the traditional sense, but I hope you know that whatever I have ever given to you to inspire you to give back to me has been well received and without you I wouldn't I don't think that I would have ever made it nearly as far in any of these journeys as I have so thank you very much Cooper's snoring hopefully does not undermine my message there anyways thank you so much I will see you again for another one of these garage monologues. I'm also doing more short form stuff, just kind of vlogging on the fly on TikTok and Instagram and a little bit on YouTube. I'm not sure how exactly to go best about that, but if you want to see me more regularly again, I'm going to try and make sure I'm connecting with you as we go. And I will see you bright and early one of these mornings sometime soon in some format along the way. Have a good one.